broadcasting live from the R&R Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Radio 9:20 a.m. on a Tuesday after the Raiders lost to the Chargers in Los Angeles Monday night in a uh, loss that exposed some flaws, some issues that we've been talking about on this very show that my great co-host Lincoln Kennedy has been pointing out, and Lincoln is here with us. How are you doing, Lincoln? Wonderful, Vinny. How are you, man? How are you? Doing good. Um, obviously, a night in Los Angeles that the Raiders would like to forget, especially a first half that repeated some of the mistakes that they've made that they've been able to overcome against a couple of other teams, the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens. But as I wrote in my story today for the Las Vegas Review Journal, they were eventually going to come up against a team that was too good and too smart to give them an escape clause like they were able to uh, figure out against the Ravens, against the Miami Dolphins. And that was the Los Angeles Chargers and their great young quarterback, Justin Herbert. It was too much to overcome, falling behind 21 nothing. You can't do that on the road. I don't care how many Raider fans were at SoFi Stadium. Um, you just can't do that. And Lincoln, we're going to spend a lot of time today trying to figure out how the Raiders can – Start finding the on button to start games better and more efficiently quicker. We're going to talk to our good friend Bill Williamson. He's going to be uh, with us today at 4.30. But for right now, Lincoln, I need you to put your coaching hat on and try to decipher what the heck is going on with the Raiders early in games. I have my thoughts, but I'd like to hear yours. Well, look, the, the slow starts can be attributed to a number of things. Most of the time, when you're playing against a new staff, a coaching staff is going to go out there and try to do some of the plays that they do okay just to see how they're going to play them. How are they going to cover Darren Waller? How are they going to cover Henry Ruggs? What type of coverage? Now, the thing about the Chargers and their sort of scheme, it was a former defensive coordinator for uh, the Rams, they like to play a little bit of a hybrid defense where they kind of show you one thing and then they kind of morph to another. and So it's not really a true read when it comes to safeties. A long way of answering your question is that when the, when the Raiders kicked off the ball, things that they had been doing well on defense didn't take hold till late in the game. And what I mean by that is they got no pressure on Justin Herbert that first drive. And Herbert went six for six, and they had a running game. They marched down the field and scored a touchdown. So there's there's two ways of looking at this, three ways of looking at this, if you want. We look at offense, we look at defense, we look at special teams, because all of them had involvement in, in last night's loss. Does that make sense? Without question. So my point to you is this, is that when you think about the defense giving up that first drive, now you're putting the pressure on the offense. 
You got Josh Jacobs, who hasn't played a regular season game since the first game of the year, coming back off of injury. Yeah, he's checked out well in warm-up. Doesn't mean everything's going to work. On top of that, you know, I thought it was a mistake to get away from Peyton Barber, who you kind of found in the second half of the previous game, kind of got into a rhythm with this run game. And you kind of had a way of establishing it. Rather, than, I know Jacobs is your guy. I'm not saying you get away from him totally, but I wouldn't have started him. That was my thing. Now, we can sit here and talk about the offensive line at nauseum. Oh, we're going to talk about I'm tired of this offense and the the coaches behind this offense being more reactionary than proactive. And what I mean by that is because they did the same thing in the Pittsburgh game, the exact same thing in the Pittsburgh game. And it was almost disastrous in the same way that it was in the Charger game last night, almost. They allowed their rookie tackle on an open end to go up against an all-pro defensive end, outside linebacker, however you want to look at it. It was T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh. It was Joey Bosa last night and early in the game. That's not fair. I know we're playing big boy football, but you got to also have a plan in perspective to take them out. Don't let the crowd get riled up. Don't let him have an impact. Both times, both of those guys hit Derek Carr and caused a fumble, and it was almost disastrous if the Raiders weren't fortunate enough to cover the ball. Two times. I'll see you're not giving Alex Leatherwood help, and I'll raise you this. What the heck's going on with the interior of the offensive line right now? I get it. There's some injuries. Richie Incognito, I, I was told today that it was in a holding pattern. I wouldn't expect any help anytime soon uh, from Richie Incognito. We understand it. John Simpson is a second-year player from Clemson, replacing Denzel, who's also hurt. But at some point, these are NFL players who are expected to produce at this level. We aren't even gotten into Andre James. Because to me, Lincoln, the problems on the offensive line start in the interior. What can the Raiders do to start solidifying and stabilizing that part of the offensive line? Vinny, it was much to the point that I was going to get with everything else. You have to scheme better for what you have. Okay. Your coaching staff has to understand the strengths of John Simpson, Andre James, Jermaine Illuminor, you have to understand their strengths and you have to best find plays or figure out plays that exemplify their strength. Can I ask you what those strengths are? Well, there was a couple times, there was a couple times when they ran to the right and they ran ISO and blast where, you know, you would have, you you would have the fullback isolate or a lead blocker isolate on the middle backer. Then you have a double team at the point. You would have a tight end hold up at the point and you run right downhill, straight downhill. Old eye school, eye formation run. That's what it used to be. And then off the counter off of that is you work either a bend back where it's an automatic cut or you run something like power. If you have individuals that are good at man blocking, you run power or then you try to run a stretch here and there. So, I mean, it's it's things like that. It's better scheming, and I think that's what's missing out. I mean, case in point, you remember last night, and I'm I'm recalling your memory because I know it's real fresh. You remember last night when there was a, a, a fullback run and uh, Jacobs got, you know, a, a good number of yards. I think it was like 11 yards on a carry. And on, it, was, it was on a first down carry or something. They got a first down or whatever it was. You know, the very next play, they ran the same play to the left that they ran to the right. The exact same play. Do they, do they think everyone's the idiots? Do you think someone's stupid? I mean, you ran the exact same backward backfield motion. You ran the, ex- the same exact play, and it got hit for like two, three yards. 
Okay, here's, here's an idea. How about call that play that you got Jacobs for, call something else, then maybe come back to it later in the series. Not the next play. You know, they were ready for that Ruggs angle pass that worked in the Dolphin game off of play action. They were ready the first time it happened. They were sitting back there. There was a man underneath. There was a man over the top. It was hard to complete, hard to compete, complete the pass. How about do something a little bit different? You see what I'm saying? I know that when plays work, you want to get back to them. I know you want to get, get involved. I, I, my issues, and, and let, me, let me preface by saying that I, have, I like John Gruden. I always have. But I believe an offensive coordinator needs to be upstairs calling the plays to take the emotional view out of it. He has to be able to see that. I can see so much from my vantage point, and I'm upstairs. An offensive coordinator should be upstairs calling the plays down below. Oh, they're playing two deep safeties. Oh, look, at the snap of the ball, they're rolling up the safety. It becomes one. It becomes cover three. It becomes quarters, whatever. You can't see that from the field. Now, I know you've got people up there, but there are a lot of eyes who are trying to relay information to you in a short amount of time. So more, t- more times than likely, you're calling from the cuff. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's try this. Okay, let's go here. Let's do this. Meanwhile, you have to see how your right tackle is struggling. You have to see if your right guard. So I don't even know why J- Jermaine Illuminar got got pulled early in the game. It, I don't either. We just we, and we never got any. And Simmons was out there, and he got beat. Clean right. off of for a sack really early. And I was like, whoa. Because from our vantage point, those numbers were hard as hell to see up there. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> couldn't who was tell anything. You know what I mean? So, you know, the answer, the if you're, so your one strength you. is that you have Colton Miller. And I understand there will be a lot of people who say, you know, well, why do we get rid of, you know, our center, Hudson? Why do we get rid of Gabe Jackson when, you know, well, you were trying to cut money. You thought that you were going to do it. You thought you had Denzel Good. He's gone for the year. You thought you had Richie Incognito. He's no show. And if right. He's, and going he, back to that, to reiterate what Lincoln was talking about in terms of the decisions to uh, move on from Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown, who cares about Trent Brown? But remember, the salary cap went down to $180 million. And you can't just look at it as it went down from $195 million or whatever it was to $180 million. It also didn't go up like it normally does. So instead of just a $15 million deficit, it's really a $25 million deficit because when you sign contracts a year or two ago, you're looking at the normal trend of the salary cap. And in your eyes, by 2021, the salary cap's going to be around $220 million. It went down to $180 million. And they had to fix the defense. They had to sign defensive players. And so they have to look, where do you find that money? A, to get to $180 million, but then B, to get below it in order to make the necessary changes and improvements defensively. Yeah. So that's what the thinking was. It wasn't like the Raiders woke up one morning and said, gosh, we're going to be better without Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. That's not how that works out. And, you know, neither player, and I don't, disagree with them and I don't you know uh, take anything away from them they're like take a pay cut no I'm not going to do that Um, so that's how that played out you were hoping if you're the Raiders that Andre James was going to be ready to assume starting duties understanding that it wasn't going to be as good as Rodney Hudson but 
some semblance of adequacy and efficiency would be enough. And then you get better from there. And, and that's exactly right. Well, I mean, yeah. and, and the fact that they had a plan in place. Right. Because Incognito said he was coming back. I said, okay, well, we're, 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 we're developing Simpson. Yep. And even though Incognito is 38, up there and had the injuries, he might be serviceable for maybe half the season. Maybe Simpson will be ready. I mean, I, force, I could see the plan as though it's written right of in course. front of me. I get it. You know, but then, then stranger things have happened, and you're forced, just like last year, you're forced to deal with backups. And because the injuries came so quickly and so strong, you haven't really been able to practice the way that you would like to practice or try to duplicate game speed because, let's face it, you know, Denzel Good was practicing against the Rams. It wasn't a Luminor, you know what I'm saying, as much. You know what I mean? So yes. it wasn't like all these guys were getting these full-speed reps when it was full speed. You know, for the most part, Simpson did play in, uh, in the preseason, and, and he has come along. There's still development. He still needs to be development. Hell, there's a lot of good defensive tackles in the National Football League. So, you know, it's not like he's going to come out and just be gangbusters. I think when you want to talk about slowing things down and creating a pocket, let's face it, last night Derek Carr, after being hit a couple times, got a little happy feet, got a little jittery, wasn't going to hold on the ball for a long time. I don't blame him, especially what's happened. But my thing is this, is before everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and blame the offensive line, because that's all I heard of last night, I said upstairs on the air, you don't do that. You don't put your rookie tackle on an island when you know he struggles with his upfield shoulder. He turns it too quick. He leaves. Look, Alex Leatherwood is going to have to take some boxing classes after the season because what he does is when he sets up, he leaves his arms out there. And if anybody's watched Max Crosby and any of these training films, what's the first thing that him and, and, and Doc Wade and all those guys do at defensive end? They're they sweeping those down. arms. They're knocking it, and there is no retrace. When I played, it was like being a boxer. When somebody you would counter, you would wait to either the player came within striking distance to where you can stagger them, or you would counter. When they reach for your arm, they reach to do an arm over, they reach to knock it away, you, you would like wax on, wax off. He's not there yet. No. By you any see what I'm saying? He's not there yeah. yet. He puts it out there. He tries to strong you. He tries to muscle you. I can understand that. I can appreciate the aggression. But on this level, Aggression will be used against you 99% of the time as an offensive lineman. You have to pick your places where you can be aggressive. You can't always go for the kill shot because when you do, you'll have those great guys like those Bosa's and those T.J. Watts and those Max Crosby's and those Ndokwe's that will knock those hands down and get right by you in the quickness. And that's happened twice. And then afterwards, they become reactionary. Oh, we'll put a tight end. Oh, we'll chip over there. Oh, we'll slide over there. No. Well, don't you have to see first? If he's going to be able to, if he made the improvement from the last time to this game, you know what I mean, you do. That's... You know what you do. You pick your part. You pick your points yeah. where you're going to do that. Because there were times where Joey Bosa wasn't in the game, and it was one most most notable time. That's when the Raiders drove down and got a touchdown. I think it was their second touchdown, as a matter of fact. Joey right. Bosa wasn't in the game until they came in late. So if you want to figure figure out if he, he does it, you want to see if he does has it in real speed. Real speed. You go up against a, a, a somewhat lesser known. Or someone who's not an all-pro status. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, I mean, and it's, 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 you know, a lot of people are bringing up Colton Miller from 2018. Well, he struggled early in his career and got it together and just developed into a very fine left tackle. There is a plan in place for Alex Leatherwood, and the Raiders are very remindful of how it all played out for Colton Miller. 
So there is the plan is you you grow with the growing pains and hope that on the other side of things, the Raiders have an anchor at right tackle for years to come. That's the plan. Here's the difference, Lincoln. In 2018, I'm sorry, I was covering the Rams, but nobody was given a squat thought about the Raiders. They were a bad team with a bad roster, with a bad salary cap. They were yesterday's news. Colton Miller was able to have those growing pains on a team with expectations that were less than squat. So it didn't really matter necessarily. Okay, he's struggling. The whole team is struggling. They're not going anywhere fast. It's a different dynamic this year. Those growing pains of Alex Leatherwood and the Raiders coaching staffs trying to figure out in real time how to deal with them, sometimes not very well, as Lincoln has pointed out, is on a team with high expectations. They're 3-1 and one right now. It's because they're a good football team, albeit with some flaws. But they're a good football team and have plans on going places this year. So whereas people looked at Colton Miller as, all right, it'll get better. This team will get better. Not going anywhere serious. It's okay to learn on the job. The whole team is. Half these guys aren't even going to be here in a year or two, and they aren't. It's a little bit different when in real time on a team with high aspirations, you, st- you also have to follow that same script, and it becomes more amplified, the struggles that a Leatherwood has. Yeah, uh, and, and the thing is is that you, know, you came into the season with high expectations, and I agree with you. I agree with everything you said. Um, this is a good football team. It has flaws, but it's still a good football team. But my, th- my, my ultimate view is I know they're still in a good position. They're 3-1. There's a three-way tie for first place, all that other stuff, yada, yada, yada. But you're going to see this team again. And if anything, you have to learn such things like on defense, they're picking on the middle of the field. Because why? Because your linebackers don't drop deep enough. And then when you put them them in man coverage like they did with Denzel Perriman, their tight ends have an advantage, much like the Raiders did against the Steelers linebackers. So then you have to bring in Nick Kwiatkowski, but then again, it's it's a little too late now because Perriman plays the run better, but Kwiatkowski plays the pass better against tight ends like Jared, uh, uh, Jared Cook. Yeah. I mean, this, this is reactionary. This is stuff that you're learning. And so you're taking into the next game, obviously, you right. know, without a doubt. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also, hey, what are you going to do when you know that now you're down two corners or you didn't finish with two corners and you're uh, the, uh, going to Could get Could be down injury. three. Could be down three. You see what I'm saying? And, and we all know that when – I said it on air last night that when Damon Arnett came in, they're going to take a shot on him. The, the, the flaw – if there is a flaw in Justin Herbert's game, he doesn't have enough touch on the deep ball if there's a flaw. That's the most obvious flaw, okay? He does because there were three passes in that yeah. last night. He could have completed and could have just d- devastated the Raiders, but he put he, they, they were too far. They were just they weren't accurate. You see what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. if there's a flaw, that that's what it is. But you know, understanding that now people are going to pick on your your defensive backs because they're underskilled, they're underdeveloped, and everything else. These are things that you learn with your offensive line. You're better run towards. Alex Leather than, Leatherwood than running away from him. Because why? Your backside, he has problems with slanting defensive linemen, just like everybody does, but he has problems with it more so, as well as this Foster Moreau. They can't block that inside charge when they're slanting down. 
And see, defenses are going to play them like that, Vinny. I mean, this is this is what defenses are going to do. They're not just going to stand up and let you block them. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, and and they like we they've been able to overcome their flaws. Good teams, and there's no perfect team. No. So good teams figure out a way to deal with their flaws, to try to mitigate their weaknesses, and play well enough to win games. The Raiders have done that three of the four games. As I wrote last night, there isn't anybody in Raider Nation that had you set at the beginning of the season, you'll be three and one after the first four games. Everyone would have taken that. Now, and that's exactly where they are, by the way, they're three and one, tied for first place in the AFC West. The trick now is to get those flaws fixed or improved, smooth it out a little bit, whatever the case might be in a hurry. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation listener line. Silver Fury is in the house. How you doing, Silver Fury? Hey, Vinny, how you doing? Hey, Lincoln, how you doing? Wonderful, man. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Hey, look, you guys did a great job. I'm, I'm going to get to my point because you're covering a lot of ground. Um, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of bad losses, a lot of bad losses. Season ticket holder 95 all the way through the, uh, the daily left. And, you know, this, this, this to me wasn't one of those bad losses. It started off ugly, wasn't pretty. The offensive line still has some things to figure out. But the way they, they responded up to being 21 nothing, which is really what I wanted to see, was short of uh, was nothing short of encouraging. That was, that was awesome. And, you know, Amik Robertson is a bulldog. And I don't think he's enough love today for what he did on Mike Williams. That should be spoken about. And the last point I want to make is 3-1. and one, I mean, they, they ripped off 17 straight points. I mean, sorry, 14. But they were within a field goal of 17 straight points. And, and they were within a first down of tying the game. I mean, the defense, you know, kept punching them in the mouth as much as they could. It just, they had to be perfect. And I think uh, a lot of positives take away, but nonetheless, it's a division game. And I, we're not going to win every division game. If we're going to lose three or four more games, that's fine. But we're going to finish this season in the playoffs. We're going to lose a few more games. But this was uh, this is one of those wins, I think. Uh, I, I walked away uh, not feeling uh, too bad about it. And I'm sure as heck uh, can't wait for next Sunday. All right, thanks, guys. appreciate it. Thank you for the call, Sylvia Fury. Uh, and it was definitely not as bad as maybe even the score might uh, have indicated. And, and I thought there were some questionable calls. I didn't like the taunting call on Darren Waller. And I thought it changed the dynamic of a drive. I have to go back and look. But, Lincoln, maybe you'll remember. I think, you know, the Raiders ended up having a punt after they had built a little bit of a momentum on the pass to Waller. They ended up having a punt on that drive. And I think that's the drive ensuing-wise where the Chargers took a 21-0 lead. It changed a lot, that taunting call. What would you think of that taunting call? Lincoln, are you with us? 
forgot to turn my mic up. I'm sorry, Gus. <laughs> All good. <laughs> I turned my mic down because I was talking. Okay, so uh, to, to your point, Vinny, I, I, I've seen Darren Waller do that before, especially when guys are trying to shut him down. He's a passionate guy, of course. He didn't mean anything by it. It just happened. It happened to be on the sideline. And by the rule, it's a, it's a taunting flag. Uh, he did it later in the game when he spiked it. He got a catch over Derwin James, and he got up and spiked the ball. It was in the middle of the field. I, didn't, I thought it was a little ticky-tack. But, again, and it did take the momentum. They air out of the sale. There's no doubt about it because they got a first down, but then they got pushed back 15 yards, and they had to start over again, and then they couldn't create the same momentum. Um, you know, but for, for the most part, those are going to happen in every game. You know, yeah. either you're going to get a bad call that you don't like or you might be ticky-tack or whatever. You Sometimes you have to, and most of the time, you have to play above the refs. That's, that's the way you have to feel. By the way, my bad. The Chargers took the 21-0 lead after they got the call for the first down overturned on a spot, which was a brilliant uh, decision by Brandon Staley. And I got to say this, Lincoln, I know the Chargers aren't uh, too close to your heart whatsoever, and I get that. You're a Raider through and through. I'm just a reporter that reports what I see. The Chargers are a very good team. They're very well coached. I don't think you're going to see all the wishy-washy, loosey-goosey nonsense that you've seen from the Chargers in years past. Uh, it always seemed like they were one step away from shooting themselves in the foot by some, you know, bonehead play, bonehead coaching decision, bad clock management, whatever you want to call it. I think those days are over under Brandon Staley. And I thought he had a great night last night coaching. And I think that a couple of his decisions helped change uh, the dynamic of that game and some momentum. That was a great astute call to challenge that spot and force the Raiders to punt and then score another touchdown to go up 21 nothing. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. Well, I will say this. You know, I thought the Chargers were a good football team last year. Yeah. I thought their time and their games were mismanaged mm-hmm. by Anthony Lynn. I thought their record should have been far better than it was. I thought that they were on their way. They found their quarterback and, and, and Justin Herbert. And he came in, and as, and as we talked about, had a freakish decision with you know what happened to, to, to the Taylor, uh, Tyrod Taylor, the, the starting quarterback, comes in under those circumstances and excels as the season goes on. And I said the second time, especially the Raiders play the Chargers. Oh, they, they the Chargers have got their quarterback. They've got their pieces. Now they'll be able to come together. And of course, no one expected Mike Williams to play the way he has. I mean, it was really shut down last night. But, I mean, up until that point, the type of year that he had, you knew what Keenan Allen had. You knew what Eckler was going to do. I mean, so it was no surprise. And, I'm look, I'm, I'm one of these guys in the position I'm in now. Yes, my heart bleeds silver and black. But I can call it like I see it. I will give a credit to a good football team. And I will, you know, I will say that's a good football team. And, and I said that all along. I said this is not going to be an easy, easy game for the Raiders. Nope. You know? And there was probably their most strongest challenge. They had three strong challenges to work up to this point, but this is probably their most strongest challenge. But you said at the top of the hour, and it's absolutely right, Brent and I said last night on the air time and time again, you can't spot a team in the National Football League 21 points. No way. I joked about it. Yeah, I mean, I joked about it when they were 14 points. I was like, oh, we got them just where we want to because we've (laughs) seen it happen before, right? But at the same, you can't spot them. You can't. And the thing is, is that when you talk about the way they play defense, and talk about how they got to that point. It's not like you can turn it on like a light switch, you know, as far as getting the offense going. 
You know, because when it comes to when it comes to any play, it's not just the offensive line. It's not just the quarterback, but especially in pass plays, it's not just the offensive line holding up their end of the protection or the quarterback being able to go through his progression right, but it's also receivers getting open. And we saw last night, like we've seen it many times, if you give Derek Carr protection, he can carve people up. Yep. And giving you that protection has been a little bit of a problem, at least yeah. to start games, especially to start games. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raiders' nascent and guest line and welcome in a good friend of ours, a good friend of mine, Bill Williamson. You can follow him at B Williamson NFL. He covers the Raiders, the Rams, the NFL, uh, and does it as good as anybody. Bill, how you doing, my friend? Thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Hey, Benny, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing good, doing good. Were you surprised at all about what happened last night? Um. No, I don't think I would have been surprised if it was flipped when the Raiders won 28-14. I, I think the one thing I'm surprised about that it didn't end playing day, you know, because that's what these two teams did twice last year, and that's what the Raiders did two times to start this year. I think it's going to be another one of those seasons. So that's the one thing I'm surprised about. I'm not surprised that the Chargers won. I wouldn't have been surprised the Raiders won. Um I keep, you know, I've been listening the last few minutes, and this is a really good Chargers team. I don't think, I don't think today's a day of panic for you know inside the building in Henderson, or should it be for the Raider Nation, for that matter? I agree. And by the way, how good are the Dallas Cowboys? That's a subject for another day. Yeah. The Raiders will play the Dallas Cowboys, but they went into SoFi Stadium and beat a good Chargers team. And in retrospect, starting to look at the Cowboys, I have to start looking at them in a different lens. All right, Bill, the conversation today, much to this chagrin of uh, Lincoln Kennedy, who's uh, <laughs> a former offensive lineman and yep, you know, still yep. wears I that hat. Hi. But the fact of the matter is you can't explain all of the Raiders' flaws uh, and poor starts by pointing a finger at the offensive line. But I think you could start there. <laughs> What are the Raiders going to do to get this offensive line squared away, especially early in games? Yeah, I don't think there's any magic elixirs. There's no, you know, I know I've seen a lot on Twitter today and people asking me as well, you know, is there somebody out there? I mean, at, at this point, it is what it is. You got to hope that you get your, your best guys healthy and, and figure it out. And, you know, the Raiders trust their, their process. They, I mean, in a lot of ways, if, if this continues to be an issue for the next 13 games. It's it's on it's on Gruden, Mayock, and Cable as much as it is on the guys who are out there on the field. They're the ones who decided, and in a lot of ways, really kind of arrogantly said, "We're going to be fine." You know, but Mike Mayock has said it multiple times. You know, we're younger, we're cheaper, we're more athletic. And we think this is going to work. So if it doesn't work, that's where it's on. So they're just, again, there's no magic answer. You just got to hope these guys develop and hope to stay as healthy as possible. The, the thing I worried most about this offensive line before the season was that there was a, a real small margin of error when it came to health. I, I thought that this team could not have many injuries at all on the offensive line, and, and, and they've gone through it. And... Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a great answer there. You just got to keep on plugging. I think Tom Cable has proven he's a good offensive line coach. So it's not like they're in bad hands. 
Well, Bill, let me, let me ask you this. What, what's your assessment of why you can attribute the slow start from the Raiders to so many of their games so far in the season? Yeah, it's, you know, and it's been going on since last year. It's 10 straight uh, games without a score in the first uh, series. Is, is it jitters? Is it just, you know, comfort level? John Gruden basically says pass protection and, and, and he's on play calling. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to have to mix it up a little bit. They're going to have to find an answer um, because it's not just the, the, the slow starts. It's the whole the, the you know, the 14 nothing coming back and winning twice at home, that's cool. That's awesome. But when you do it on the road 21 nothing, it's not going to work, you know. And we saw they made a nice little comeback. But then what happened in that flat when they were going in to try to tie the 21? They stumbled. And, and, and you know, there's a sack on third down. There's a missed long field goal. Those things happen. But they didn't give them any, themselves any cushion. And the Chargers ran right down there and, and, and really ran the ball down the Raiders' throats and what knocked off six minutes to take a two-touchdown lead of five minutes, and that was the game. So that shows you really that's why you can't start slowly and give yourself big holes. It's just not – it's going to catch up to you. So, again, I don't have any great answers, um, you know, what – Let's see what happens against Chicago. But, I mean, I know they're putting pressure on themselves. I know they're feeling it. We're talking to Bill Williamson. You can follow him at NFL. He always does a great job covering the NFL and the Raiders in particular. Uh, Bill, sticking with the offensive line, and it's kind of ironic in a way, especially who they played last night, because if you look at the Chargers' offensive line, they completely rebuilt their offensive line from last year, even more so than the Raiders had to uh, rebuild their offensive line on the fly. The Chargers and Tom Telesco, I give a big tip of the cap. Telesco and his staff really put together a good offensive line. You can see that's becoming almost a strength of their team. Whereas with the Raiders, yeah, go ahead. It's been a long time covering the Chargers. I mean, they've been doing, they've been trying to build that offensive line for a few years. So yep. it may take the Raiders a while as well. But you know, they have a lot invested in them. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And if you talk to people around the league, and I know you do, building a, a good offensive line is about the hardest thing to do these days because they, they, a lot of scouts I talk to feel that for some reason the off- the quality of offensive linemen is just not deep as it was, you know, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago. And, and they can't really put a finger on it. Why? But it's, you know, I've talked to guys in the last five years or so that they see the real, the overall depth of quality offensive linemen is just not there around the league. So I think it's a bit of an issue, you know, a lot of places around, around the league. It's just not easy to build a great line. Yeah, that's a true story. And it, it starts back in the developmental league, which is college. It's, a lot different these days in college schemes. But, hey, Bill, right. that's another story for another day. Um, right. Talking about the secondary, now the Raiders are in some trouble. Um, early in the season, uh, the secondary is one of their strengths. Uh, you know, adding Nate Hobbs to an already you know, solid with uh, Hayward Jr. Yeah. and Trayvon Mullen. And now we've got some injuries. And what do you foresee for the secondary moving forward? Because the Bears are no, you know, or any other team in the National Football League, everyone has receivers. Right, yeah, and you got to keep those guys back there healthy. We'll, you know, interested to see what happens this week. Um, you know, I, I hate 
speculating on injuries. John Gruden said today that, you know, some of the injuries, there's concern about some of them. He didn't really point which ones, but if you look at the injuries, you know, just looking at the injuries more than the players, you know, a foot that took a guy out the whole game and had to go cut up, that, you know, we're talking about Trayvon Mullen, that could be one of those potential worrisomes. Uh, a, a groin that took uh, Damon Arnett out of the game, that injury has potential to be, you know, long. Um, Casey Hayward was, was cramps reportedly, so that shouldn't be a problem. Nate uh, Hobbs' concussion, you, you know, obviously that's a, a serious injury, um, but often guys come back from that, you know, maybe after a week or so. So, you worry about, and again, this is just uh, on paper because I, I, I'm not speculating about these individuals. But you worry about, you know, foot injuries and groin injuries. So those guys, if they lose those young guys, or the other people are going to have to step up. You know, Robertson. You know, hey, he did a nice job yes uh, last night, so he may be getting more opportunity. Bill, oh, go ahead, Lincoln. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, okay. Bill, Joey Bosa had some uh, interesting, to say the least, yes. comments on uh, Derek Carr. I didn't like what he said, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, when players start questioning other players' toughness and manhood and all that, and that's essentially what he did, I think it's kind of stepping over a line. Felt kind of contradictory considering Derek played better in the second half last night compared to when he was getting battered around early mm-hmm. in the game. But what do you make of what Joey Bosa said? Is there any merit to it? And will there be any long-range ramifications of it? I think, yeah, I think that there could be ramifications. I mean, it's, you know it's going to be mentioned leading up to that Week 18 game. And this could be a really big game. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be mentioned. Derek Carr is going to remember it. Um his offensive linemen are going to remember. I mean, because that reflects on them. Um, yeah, we don't see guys do that much to players, you know? You, you don't. And it makes you wonder if that's the um, if that's kind of the book on him around players and he felt comfortable saying it. Um, I, think, I think defensive coordinators may tell the players, hey, get the car because it, it, it's, it's it, it, it might affect them, and I don't think that's the only play, quarterback in the league that that gets that may get affected by this. But yeah, I don't know if it needed to be said. Um, there was a you know that one play where he mentioned that yeah he did he was bracing for to get hit and basically surrendering the play. But I'm not going to sit here and talk about Derek Carr's toughness. I'm not going to talk about a guy who is uh, you know an MVP candidate. Um, I do think that, and this may sound silly on the surface. That I, you know, because all quarterbacks are his best when they get, you know, great protection. But I think he does drive. You know, I think if you look at his best games, I think those are games. Well, prior to this year, um, his best games have been when he's gotten really good protection. And I, I think the counter to Joey Bosa's comments is that this offensive line has not been good all season, really, as a whole. And the dude threw for 1,203 yards in the first three games on pace to shatter 
single season record. So, I mean, and he didn't do it with, he did it under duress a lot. So, if that's what he feels, he said it. It, it. You know, John Gruden seemed annoyed about it. I think John Gruden handled it well today. Um, John Gruden says a lot with his facial expressions, <laughs> you know, and the tone of the words that he does say. And, you know, he say we love our quarterback. So I think, I just think it's, I feel bad for Derek Carr because he always seems to be having to defend himself over something, you know. And uh, the dude's been nothing but a pro his eight years and a gentleman. And, um, you know, it's now he's going to be asked about this tomorrow. <laughs> True story. Last one for me, Bill. After a month of football, we we know that all the teams in the National Football League has flaws, and then you know, everybody is trying to do their best to exploit them. Uh, the other team's flaws, obviously. Pushing forward with the with the uh, Bears coming to town, the Bears have seen to found a formula for Justin Fields offensively. Your thoughts on the Raiders pushing forward and how how badly they need to rebound after that Charger game to erase it. I think, you know, like I said at the top, I, I'm not really worried about the Raiders. I, I'm, I'm at 3-1. and 3-1 and is pretty dang good. Particularly, that's tied to the second-best record in, in football. You know, I mean, we're four games in, and there's only – I'd like to see when was the last time the last undefeated team was 4-0. and I mean, those 1972 Dolphins, they're going to have to sweat it out long this year, it looks like, you know. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of parity this year. I mean, there's the Chiefs are two and two, um, and the Raiders' schedule is lightening up here a little bit. It's not going to stay right, but I think this is a very winnable game. I'm not sold on the Denver Broncos, even though they're three and one. I think we saw a little bit who they were when they played a quality opponent um, in Week Four, and you know, and the Philadelphia Eagles certainly have had their share of problems, and so. That you know, you can feel pretty good. A real good shot at being six one um, at the bye. So I don't. I, I think it's a really winnable game. With Justin Fields, I was happy for him because you know there's a lot of angst about his uh, first game. Um, but I think this is a really winnable game for the Raiders at home. Bill Williamson, we always appreciate the insight. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle today. Uh, have a great week, and uh, we will talk to you down the line. Thank you, gentlemen. See you. Thanks, Bill. You got it. That's Bill Williamson. You could follow him at B Williamson NFL. When we get back, we're going to get into those Joey Bosa comments. I wanted to talk to Lincoln about that. Uh, I thought it went over the line a little bit, and I'll explain why. And I'll let you also know, talk to some players today. They're not going to soon forget what Joey Bosa said. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, we knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook, and, and you saw on, on CeCe's sack, he was pretty much curling into a ball before we even got back there. So um, great dude, great player. He's been having a great year, but we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down and he's not as effective with the with the crowded pocket. So uh, that, was, that was the key to it. Uh, we knew once we hit him a few times. That's Chargers defensive end Joey Bosa. Had a few words uh, in describing Derek Carr. 
Lincoln, and we're gonna we have a bunch of calls that we're gonna get to here in just a little bit. So guys, hang on. But I wanted to get Lincoln's thought on this. I thought it. I, hey, we're always asking guys to be as honest as possible and be frank and don't give us cookie cutter answers. And I get it and I understand it. And certainly, what Joey said made some headlines and makes for great talk radio. Me personally, I think he kind of stepped over a line a little bit. That's just my opinion. But what do you think about it, Lincoln? What line did he step over? I don't think, number one, Derek Carr played better as the game went on. And doesn't it, that, that, that doesn't escape the fact of what he was saying, that if you get to him, he'll get a little skittish, which every quarterback will. Okay, but he made, obviously every quarterback does, and I agree with you on that. But he made it a kind of a point, and a little bit personal, to point it out about Derek Carr. And I don't think you had to read between the lines to figure out what you exactly what you're saying. So and it wasn't just skitterish, right? It was he's going to curl up in a ball. I thought that Derek Carr on that play was trying to protect the ball. He didn't want to yeah. lose the ball. He needed the three points, and he always gets criticized for when he fumbles the ball. Because he's exposing it, and and there was a couple of times in the game where he thought it was going to be, where he thought it looked like it was going to be exposed, being tackled exactly. from behind. Yeah, no, no. I look. I don't. I don't have a single problem with Joey Bosa said. If if you were on the offensive line for the Raiders right now, I would want to crush his skull. Okay, but <laughs> so. look, no. I mean, look. Here, here's the thing. You, you know, we 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 used to use that at called locker room material, bulletin board material. Oh, you guys heard what Jerry, Joey Bosa said? That was used as a motivator. You know, I remember specifically uh, 1996. We went to Soldier Fields and we, we played the Bears. That year, I think his name was Alonzo Spellman, the defensive lineman out oh, yeah. of Ohio State, was having a tremendous year. I mean, they were talking about all pro and all this other stuff. Tremendous year. Steven Wisniewski, who should be in the Hall of Fame, Yes, he was 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 on Alonzo and Steven for the entire game because Alonzo was doing number chalk and trash in the media and everything like, like that for the entire game. Steven Wisniewski followed him around no matter where it was. The play was towards him or away and he chopped him down. He cut his ass down. He owned his butt for the entire game so bad that Alonzo got so frustrated and took himself out the game. They ended up beating us. They ended up beating us by a field goal or something like that. But they, the point was he got taken out of the game because his mental got so messed up by Steven just falling, falling around. Conversely, we're in, the, we're in the ride last night, the, the, the crew and I, Brent Musburger, Scott, his son Musburger, and I, were, we're, in, we're in the car riding back to the hotel. Brent tells me this story about Dick Vermeil when he was facing the New York Giants and how he said they had a plan for Lawrence Taylor, that they were going to cut him down every single play, whether it was a pass or a run. They were going to find somebody to cut him down. When they were going to run, they were going to run with sucker whams where they tried to get a tight end or somebody was going to go and cut him on the line of scrimmage because he was probably the most impactful defensive player of that time or, or of any time, if you want to describe it that way not I, probably well i mean i say that to say this yeah when you have a force like joey bosa and he is a force he is a he is a guy who can change the tide of a football game much like a tj watt you take notice of him and you emphasize how you want to hit his ass you don't need him to say anything to motivate you you don't need him to talk about court talk about your quarterback you see what i'm saying so i don't have a problem with one thing that joey bosa said and if, and if I'm going to use this locker room material, if I'm going to get upset, um, the next thing I do is like, okay, the next time you talk, or next time I see you, I'm going to handle it, for, especially for somebody who talks trash. Yeah. 
Let's hope that they. Uh, well, I, I not even hope. I know <laughs> that the Raiders remembered and will remember uh, everything he said. And from a reporter standpoint, I'm kind of already looking forward to that week of that game, and I'm hoping that it becomes prevalent. And I know it will. <laughs> Because I do think that's going to be a big game, Lincoln. And I think what Joey Bosa said, uh, for our purposes in the media, we're going to have uh, a, a lot to chew on come that last weekend of the season. It's it's the last game of the year, huh? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It's the last game of the well, year. We'll see. I, and it'll probably be for first, all the marbles. It'll probably be for the division title. Ooh. What about the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I, I told you a long time ago, I think this is a down year for the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Robert is in San Jose. How you doing, Robert? Uh, I'm doing good, Vinny. Uh, Lincoln, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, next time Joey Bosa is on the field, I don't care if he's running to the bathroom, you cut him. <laughs> but, uh, True story. True story. And uh, as far as uh, this season, uh, obviously 3-1 and one is great. But uh, like Vinny, I'm concerned about the offensive line, but not Alice Weatherwood. I think he's been fine. Um, in fact, if it were me, I'd move John Simpson over to right guard and just run behind those two young guys. I thought they were doing real work when they were playing next to each other in the preseason. I'd like to see that that is something that can continue. But uh, Andre James, uh, I don't know if he's going to cut it in the run game or – John Gruden needs to take a look at Kyle Shanahan and uh, maybe run some misdirection plays where Andre James can get out and use this athleticism, not trying to run straight ahead at these guys because he's just getting his butt kicked every play. Lincoln? That might, again, you know, that might, unfortunately for many, unless I go back and watch position by position, play by play, it's hard for me to keep up with the strengths or weaknesses. I'm not, I can't necessarily evaluate, especially with everything I have going on, but I have seen this. He's, he's light in the ass. He is. He's, he's got it. He's got to develop more of an anchor to hold up on the inside. And you got to keep in mind, this guy was a tackle in college and now he's playing center in the National Football League. It's not easy. <laughs> None of them are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Pro football focus. John Simpson, three pressures allowed. Andre James, four. Jermaine Illuminor, three. Alex Leatherwood, four. Each of those players, except for Jermaine, he played 36 pass blocking snaps. Everyone else had 41. So that's three, seven, 10, 14 pass pressures mm-hmm. from those four offensive linemen. Carl Ouch. Miller, Colt Miller's been having a good year. Only one oh yeah, quietly. Luck. I mean, that's exactly. You don't you don't mention them. That's what that's what offensive linemen do. I don't want you talking yeah, about exactly. me. Yeah, exactly. Well, we will try to figure it out, Lincoln. And <laughs> I do believe that a lot of what's going on with the Raiders right now is what's not happening up front. It's they got beat up yesterday along the offensive line. They got to figure that out in a hurry. Whether it's like you said, scheme wise. Maybe replacing some players, maybe reshuffling the deck a little bit, uh, but they have to get that figured out. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday.